and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I'm Lundfoot. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the studio audience came out of the crowd to fix the monitor. (laughs) <laughs> and the Zoom camera, amazing, multi-talented studio audience. We are here tonight to discuss the latest bracket coming uh, to, uh, to a Facebook near you. Wednesday. On Wednesday, September 1st, Sticks versus Journey, the ultimate classic <laughs> rock battle. This will be a bloodbath of <laughs> air and and vocal gymnastics, and we are going to talk all things sticks and journey. Uh, we will also talk the week that was in Major League Baseball. We'll go through Rolling Stone's top five hundred list and provide our expertise expertise for you the jag bags listener we have a new podcast episode that has hit number one on our list and we'll talk through that um and uh we'll also of course do uh i recommend that's where len and i pick a movie or a, a restaurant or anything that strikes our fancy and we will recommend it to you our loyal fans Thank you very much for listening. We hit yet another download milestone. I won't reveal the number because of advertising uh, negotiations that are currently going on with major corporate partners. And we don't want to give any uh, competitive secrets away. Uh, But let me just say it was a huge number. And we owe that all to you, the Jag Bags listeners. Thank you every week for tuning in. Please subscribe to us if you haven't done so already. Please like our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please write us a a review if you like what you hear. Pass it along to five or ten of your friends. Make it hashtag JagBags. And as always, send us your suggestions for topics you want to hear on the air or just subjects uh, in general, insults that either host can lob at the other. And if we like your ideas- We're getting those now? uh, I've gotten several. Well, no, I've been told you've gotten several. (laughs) I've been told that uh, I've sent Len several uh, suggestions for insults for you. So I'm just waiting for very hurtful comments to have come. (laughs) They haven't come yet, but it's like, Getting onto this podcast is like getting going into a minefield of self-esteem. Um, and uh, anyway, if we like your suggestions, we will send you a coveted Jag Bags t-shirt. Be the coolest person on your block. Anything that I have missed on our bits of business for housekeeping? No, I think so. Uh, I think you're good. We're good. All right. Let's get to the week that was in Major League Baseball. We're getting down to the final month of the season. A spirited uh, three-game set down uh, on the south side at Guaranteed Rate Field. 
Uh, I was just reading about a fantastic brawl that happened in the left field bleachers. Um, these things never happen when I go to games. Have you ever seen a just a big old knockdown drag out fight when you go to a, a football or a baseball game? I never have. I, not like a big one. Yeah. I've never seen like a brawl. I've seen punches thrown, but I was in the bleachers all the time in the 80s and 90s, but Nothing ever major. I uh, the closest I came was when I went to a Bears Packers game, and there was this guy in front of us, classic cheesehead. I mean, he was dressed to the nines, the worst, and uh, he was uh, he was already in the bag when he showed up. And I forget who intercepted um, Rogers and took it back to the house. But this guy got pummeled, just beer doused on him. <laughs> uh, it's just fantastic. And uh, that's just, that's the closest that I ever – he left and uh, in, in disgrace. That was the best. He, he, he left in total disgrace. And uh, we never saw him again. And so Rogers won interception that he's ever thrown against the Bears. Yeah, it was like a pick six. That's what made it so awesome. Like this will be our year. Um, yeah, before we get an MLB, um, just quickly around the uh, league, uh, what do you see from uh, the Bears' new starting quarterback, uh, Andy Red Rifle Dalton? Well, they're obviously being careful with him. Yes, playing the last last exhibition game. Yeah, smart move, Coach Nagy. You yeah. want him ready. 100% to start this Super Bowl winning season. I think Nagy has the club's best interests in heart. And, yep. uh, and I think that uh, Dalton will be just roaring out of the gates. Uh, Super ready, excited. Ready to Super attack. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and before we get into MLB, there's been a trade in the NBA. The Cavaliers send Larry oh, yeah. Jr. to the Portland Trailblazers. The Bulls get a first-round pick and a second-round pick, plus uh, the immortal Derek Jones Jr. I've never heard of this guy. He won a dunk contest. When? A couple of years ago. I must have been out of the country for that one. <laughs> yes. Must have been in my cave. I think you're, it was your espionage. You're doing espionage. Uh, I probably was trying to escape from Bruce after uh, our friend uh, Bruce Hollett after I've insulted him uh, one time too many. <laughs> He's uh, not going to like when I talk about the White Sox. Oh, <laughs> man. The faxes will begin. I I, yep. I already hear the machine whirring to life. Um, <laughs> and the Cavs get Laurie Markinen in that trade. And... Kirk Pinchon, our other uh, Jag Bag listener, is upset by this trade. Yep. Um, I, I'm happy about it. I, I think Markinen's great. He can be great. And uh, so I think he can really help uh, the Cavs. If I think, one, he gets hurt too much. Two, Boylan didn't know how to use him. And I, I think by the time Billy Donovan got there, it was just 
I think a separation was inevitable between Markin and the Bulls. Just felt like it. Yeah, I don't think Markin wanted to be there. I think he didn't see much of a future. And I think Zach Levine, Levine is a, an, another issue. I mean, they just could never figure out how to coexist. Yeah, that's why this year will be super interesting. With so many scorers, what's going to happen? For the Bulls. They're all going to have to share the ball. Right. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball role will be very important because he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to have to make good decisions. I like Lonzo Ball. Um, he's got to stay healthy, too, just like Mark and him. Yeah, Ball has uh, injury problems as well. But I, I was shocked how much the Bulls got for Markkinen. Markkinen's like, he's a 2010 guy. And he's only 24 years old. But he hasn't played. He hasn't played. And and the Bulls haven't won with him in the team. So to right. get this, uh, to me, he's underachieving. Part, some of it was his fault. Some of it was the coaching. And for the Bulls to get two picks and a guy, I don't know if that Derek Jones guy's any good. I think he played a little bit. They did pretty well because I don't I don't think there was any way they're going to keep him. I feel like all three teams benefited. Um, this is one of the trades. Why do you think the Cavs just got rid of Nance? Well, because I think they had <clears throat> Okoro, who also plays great defense. Uh, Nance also has injury problems. Hmm. Um, they need a three-point shooter. They tried to get Nance to be a three-point shooter. And, uh, I mean, the guy never got above 35 36%. Now they got a guy who's, you know, is capable of shooting 40 to 45% from three. And, um, you know, defensively they take a step back, but they have Mobley and they have Okoro. And uh, the question is who will sit? Are they going to pay Markinen a lot of money to come off the bench, which I think he could benefit from because the Cavs also have Rubio who definitely will be looking for Markkanen, and I think the two of them could do a lot of damage. Um, and Garland averaged seven assists a game last year, so it's not like he's a lousy point guard as well. <clears throat> they could do a lot of where pick-and-pop actions, where Markkanen sets a pick on a small guy, and if they switch, Markkanen just pops out and they hit him for a quick three. Um, I could see Markkanen doing well in that. Um We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So I think it's a great trade. Kirk Pinchon, as usual, knows nothing. (laughs) Anyway, an interesting trade. And uh, I think the Bulls got better, too, because, like I said, they're well positioned for the future. And uh, and, I mean, the first round pick is lottery protected, but still it's first round pick. Absolutely. You're gonna get somebody. You're gonna get somebody good. Yeah. Um, let's move on to MLB. Uh, the Cubs. The Patrick Wisdom era continues unabated. This guy continues to hit home runs. I think he can get to thirty before the year's done. Yeah, he's got a whole month. I think he'll get it, no problem. I think so. And 
I think they were even saying this on one of the broadcasts. So when we saw his, do we see his first game? I think we did. He had two home runs that game against the Padres. Yep. And we were like, who is this guy? Yeah, Brian and Baez both hit home runs, and we're like, yes, wisdom. <laughs> but what they're saying on broadcast is, so the league is at time to adjust to him. Right. And he's still hitting homers. Yeah, he really is. So that could bode well for him being just a good player for a few years. I mean, he's he's already 30, but this is his chance. And he's also really good defensively. He's been making some really good plays at third. So the Cubs got lucky. I think he was in the Cardinals organization and they grabbed him. Right. Um, yeah, I think that he um, – I think that, uh, you know, he's a guy that you can – well, I don't know about build around, but he'll be around for next year as, as well and moving forward. And uh, so, um, yeah, it, pretty pretty exciting. Uh, they might have an infield for next year already because Schwindel, who's been playing well at first, Madrigal at second, Horner at short, Wisdom at third. We just don't have any outfielders. Um, that's uh, all things in good time. What? Uh, where does? Uh, where can they put Duffy if they decide to go with this Horner Madrigal? Can Duffy play the? Outfield? I think Duffy's a good bench guy because he can play second. He can play third. He's a good pinch hitter. I think he's a good bench guy. He's not really a power hitter, but you can you can plug him in anywhere almost. What about Ortega? Uh, Ortega, here, here's the good thing about Ortega is he hits really well, at least so far, against righties. But he can't hit lefties, and he's not a good outfielder. Yeah. Because yesterday, Hendricks would have gotten out of the inning. Abreu hit a shot, and he hit it hard. But and you could you could feel the announcers trying to defend Ortega, but he turned two different ways and then missed it. Yeah, he's just not a center fielder. I don't think he could probably play left, but you'd probably have to platoon him because he's not hitting lefties at all. What about Ian the White Hot Ian Hap? Yeah, what's his average? Listen. Over the last 15 games, he's been he's hit 340. What's his average for the year? He has raised his average to 199. <laughs> okay. He is almost to the Mendoza line. Hat on fire. But the most worrisome thing was Hendricks again. Of course, like if Ortega catches that, maybe Hendricks gets out of the inning. <laughs> but he would have. He would have gotten an inning, and it would have been – he still would have only allowed three runs. But I think that was like the fourth inning. But he's not locating. He's had a couple starts where he's just not – if he doesn't – if he can't throw the ball where he wants to, he's going to get shelled all the time because he doesn't throw 95. His stuff isn't that great. He's all about – Throwing exactly where he wants to. So I'm hoping he snaps out of it. Because we don't want to 
see another Lester or Jake where he's just awful next year. Cause that was kind of what happened with Lester his last year or two. He was having these outings where every once in a while he'd give up eight runs in the game. And Hendricks has done that a couple times now. Hendricks is 14 and six. His record is still pretty good despite that. It's just the ERA. That's the problem. Well, he had, he had a stretch of two or three months where he was really good and he didn't have a good start to the year. And then this month he's not, he hasn't been good. Right. And he's my favorite player in the team. So I really hope he snaps out of it. Even if he, he only needs to win, uh, just a couple more games and he, his high uh, was 16 wins back in 2016. I know that the win is a, you know, all but a useless stat, but it'd be good, good to see him win 16 games that maybe even 17. Yeah, they also said yesterday on the broadcast that he hasn't had an ERA under four since he was a sophomore in college. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really just not a typical. He's so consistent. Can we talk about uh, the White Sox for a minute? Let's do it. So <laughs> the two things that bothered me about the Sox. <laughs> no, I'm going to root for them in the playoffs, but I have to point these out. First of all, Abreu. He takes four hours after every pitch, adjusts everything, has his disgusting helmet. It's covered in goo. It's like, okay. And Bruce talking about Rizzo. What about Obreu? He's like Mike Hargrove. <laughs> no one is like Mike Hargrove. And then the other thing that bothered me. So yesterday it was 13 to one. Yeah. And the Liam Hendricks on the Sox, right, closes it out, and he's all pumped. I'm like, you guys won by 12. You're excited because you got the last out of a game. You won by 12. Not good. That's just his. You know, he does that against everyone. I don't think he was showing up the Cubs. It's just that. no. I'm just that's annoying. It doesn't matter who he's doing against. It's annoying. If it's a close game and you do that, fine. But if you're up 12. I you know I don't know why uh, you put um, Hendricks in in that situation. I mean, the game is out of because he hadn't because he hadn't pitched. He hadn't pitched in a few days. Oh, you just want to keep him. So uh, he needed an inning. Yeah, because Friday was a blowout, and the Cubs won seven zip on Saturday, and then another blowout. So he had to put him in because Hen I think Hendricks had pitched. He had closed a couple nights in a row, so Larusa gave him a couple days off. And had Kimbrel available for that, and then they played the Cubs, and all the Cubs games, none of them were close, so he didn't need to use them. So that's why he came in yesterday. What did you think of Dylan Cease? Yeah, I wrote on Facebook. He he doesn't look like he's even trying to throw it that hard, and it's hundred miles an hour. I I never. I just it was the first time I'd ever seen him pitch. And his breaking stuff is really good too. He struck out eleven in six innings. Yeah, he looked really good. Yeah, this if he's uh, if he's ready to go, then they really don't need Keiko for the past for the postseason. And uh, 
they become even more dangerous. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to face him the way he looked yesterday. Right. The the Sox main things are they're going to have to make sure their bullpen settled down. Talent wise, in the bullpen they should be great, but they haven't been great because they have Henrik's Kimbrel Kopech, who throws a hundred over a hundred, I think, and a couple other guys. So they're really stacked in the bullpen. They're just not producing as well as they should be. So hopefully that settles down for them for the playoffs. And their lineup's really good. But what I noticed on Saturday when Mills pitched, they have a lot of aggressive hitters. They do. They're doing a lot of first pitch ground outs against Mills. Like he had them off balance. And Mills, I like him, but he's not. He's not like a great pitcher. So when they face these touch, tough pitchers in the playoffs, if, if they're scouting the Sox, they might take advantage of that. Yeah, be, aggressiveness. That'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, work the counts and, you know, get into a good, uh, you know, some good hitters uh, situations. Because they're, yeah, you're right. They're going to need to do that. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to be going against the best guys. So. I don't have think that, they could use that approach every game. Have uh, you been monitoring the Javi Baez situation in New York? <laughs> they made it sound like it was just him from the headline, but it, it was like a bunch of Mets were doing that. It's, it's Lindor. It's Baez and Lindor. And one other guy. Yeah. I forgot his name. Lindor. Guy, Conforto. Is, he on the, is that his name? I think so. Yeah, it was at least those three guys. It wasn't just Baez doing a <laughs> thumbs down to the crowd when they got a hit. <laughs> the Mets have been getting relentlessly booed for playing so poorly, which I thought was funny. And then the, <laughs> I think the president of the Mets was like, we don't tolerate that. Yeah, right. But the Conforto about- guy, he tried to play it off like, no, we're just having fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think so. It's uh it's it's two guys, Baez and Lindor, that are like, hey, we uh we come from situations where everything we do, people love us, and now that we're getting the shit boot out of us, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Ah, we're losing. Oh man. Yeah, if you told me that uh, the Mets would have Lindor and Baez on the same team, I would have predicted they'd at least make the playoffs. But they are in free fall. I enjoy it. Yeah, they started losing every game. And then the Braves started winning every game. Yeah. And I think the Mets owner went on to Twitter and was like, "Uh, it's hard for me to understand how professional hitters – can uh, you know have no clue up there? At the plate. <laughs> like, yeah, I've written that about our pickup basketball game sometimes. <laughs> no, about me, which I don't Go appreciate. <laughs> Going to Twitter, yeah, right. Starting those Twitter beefs, not mm-hmm. not a good look. Yeah, no. What about the Indians? Any Indians news? Uh, Ramirez, uh, continues to hit. Well, I think 
he he got he hit to uh thir- he got to 30 home runs. So now he's got 31 or maybe he hit 32 um with 84 runs batted in. So now I think he can I think he can get to 35 and 100. I think that's within reach. And I'm rooting for Framil Reyes to get to 30. Not sure if he'll make it. He's got He's at 23, but he's starting to look real good. Um, he's, his swing has come back, and uh, and uh, so he's really hitting the ball well. And so I think that um, – so I would love it if Reyes could get somehow get to 90 RBIs and 30 home runs. So we'll see. Well, he's missed a bunch of time, right? Yeah, I heard his back. He was out for like a month. So it would be great if he could – you know, have a hot September. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, and the, uh, the, the pitching's been, the pitching's been good. Um, and the starting pitching has been really good. Um, in fact, um, they brought up, uh, they played, they lost two or three to the Red Sox, but they were in every game. And, uh, Corinne check their, uh, all-star level closer, Ever since they uh, outlawed the sticky stuff, his effectiveness has uh, uh, decreased. Yeah, they sent him to the minors, right? And he got sent. He he gave up a three-run homer in the eighth to uh, to the Red Sox, and the next day demoted. Um, which sucks because they uh, they could have taken two or three from Boston, um, and uh, and they've got Logan Allen now up back up pitching well. Um, so. Um, you know, we'll, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. And then they've got a ton of guys that are uh, just, they need playing time. And so the challenge is to just get, you know, since they're not playing for anything, they're just trying to look at everybody just to see who they've got. But I talked about two guys, uh, Zimmer, Bradley Zimmer and Mercado, Oscar Mercado. And uh, Mercado, I don't think he's going to be back next year. But Zimmer's been looking good, and uh, he hit another just upper deck bomb, like 470-some feet. I mean, that's his second, like, absolute moonshot. Um, so he's showing some good power. He's hitting well, and um, and defensively, he's a stud. He's like 6'5", and runs like a deer. So between him and Straw – uh, who's uh, their new center fielder, who I really like. Um, you know, the, I mean, you, they could put you or I in right field, and uh, this would be – They a, would be lucky to have us. They'd be a top defensive outfield. So uh, they've got to figure out Ahmed Rosario, who's had a nice year. He's hitting close to 290. Um, so they've got a nice little no, – one-two punch at the top of the lineup with Straw, who's your classic leadoff hitter, Rosario, who, you know, um, gets on base. Um, well, ostensibly he does. He doesn't walk very much, so his on-base percentage is kind of at league average, even though he's hitting close to 300. But those two guys set the table, and then Ramirez and Reyes drive them all in. So it's uh, it shows how it can be. Uh, for next year, they've just got to find positions for them all. 
Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, there's one more thing that, you know, they've really got to, um, you know, stay, they can't like, you know, tinker too much with their hitting approaches. I think that Lindor, I, I Lindor should have been a guy who hit 300, maybe even like 310, 320, hit maybe 20 to 25 home runs. And you, a guy you could hit first or second in the lineup. And, um, you know, and you can just pencil them in and count on that for, you know, the next 10, 20 years. But I feel like he started trying to hit, he wanted to hit like 35, 40 home runs so he could, you know, get the big payday. And I guess it worked, but every year I haven't liked his approach. He's striking, he, you know, I thought he was striking out too much. And, uh, you know, cause he's just going for the, you know, he's just going for the home run. And, uh, and now he's hitting 221. I mean, th- there's no way that Francisco Lindor should ever hit below 300. Mm. And I think he's just, you know, messed up his approach. You just hope he can get it back. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's the last I'll say. I liked him. Um, and uh, even though it's like it's worth <laughs> that trade weirdly is working out really good for the Indians. It's crazy. I would never have guessed that um, just for this year. Anyway, I think Lindor can get it back, but just like Willie. I mean, it feels like that atmosphere is so poisoned in New York. Um, I will see. Those are my Indians thoughts. What about uh, let's move to, I recommend what's yours for this week. All right. My, I recommend is a movie that I saw in the theaters about, I think it came out like 20, 21 years ago. And I remember really liking it a lot. And uh, I saw it, it was on TV and I was like, I, you know what? I wonder if this is, I remember really liking this movie and let's see if it holds up. And it absolutely did. Uh, the movie is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, directed by Ang Lee. Uh, didn't he direct your all-time favorite movie, The Ice Storm? Uh, yeah. I think yeah. Ang Lee directed that. Uh, yeah. This movie is very beautiful. Um, we talk so- about it briefly in the action movie podcast because the sequences are so cool. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it re- and I think it was ahead of its time in that a lot of the main characters were women and, uh, you know, in roles reserved for uh, men. And, uh, yeah, the, if, uh, if you saw it and wondered if it's any good, if it's been a while – or if you've never seen it, uh, check it out. It's uh, it's considered a classic and for good reason. Really good. Uh, that is my I recommend. Yeah, I remember loving it initially way back. I saw it in the theater way back when too. Yeah, it's uh, it absolutely holds up. My I recommend is a performance in a movie. And I liked the movie, but I feel like I should recommend it more for the performance than the movie itself. And it's the second Suicide Squad movie. I've not seen it. The first one wasn't very good. This one's a lot better. Okay. It's it's looser. It's funnier. It's more surprising. The only thing I didn't really like about it was kind of drags during some of the action scenes towards the end of the movie. Mm. But there's there's actually, maybe I should even mention more than one performance. 
The standouts, Margot Robbie again. She's great. Every time she, she's just perfect in that as Harley Quinn. Yeah. Just insane. But they make her funnier in this one. And anytime she's on the screen, it's fantastic. <laughs> there's also, I'd have to, I, I didn't think about this when I was doing this, I recommend, but there's another actress. I've never seen her before. She plays a character called Rat Catcher, Rat Catcher 2. And she's also really good. And then there's <laughs> another <laughs> character called Polka Dot Man. And you're like, Polka Dot Man. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil what he does in the movie, but it's definitely a different kind of take on a, I mean, they're more, they're not actually considered to be heroes. They're, they're villains, but they're doing something for the good of mankind in the movie. Yeah. But Polka Dot Man, really good too. <laughs> <laughs> Seek it out. All right. I, I, I do want to watch Suicide uh, Squad at some point, although the uh, sentiment against DC uh, comics in this house is strong. I may have to just watch it on my own because I've got the Marvel police upstairs who I think are, they'd like this one, though. It's different. Are vigilant. It's yeah. different. I liked uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I thought, except for Ben Affleck, I don't recommend. You watched the extended cut one i did i did and i thought it was good i thought it i thought the uh they definitely could have trimmed the ending i thought that it ran did you see it i didn't see the extended cut i saw the original but i i when i was growing up i read tons and tons of marvel yeah so i, didn't, I don't really know dc but the dc movies i've seen i don't mind them they're fine but most superhero movies I like. There's not too many clunkers for me. It's kind of like basketball movies. I like almost every bas- <laughs> basketball movie. Too. <laughs> I find something to like. I uh, I feel like Marvel movies are they have better storylines, except for the Avengers ones. Those those confuse me. I, I get lost. I'm like I have no idea what's going on here. Um, yeah, I never really thought about that because I. I know all those characters, so I kind of know what's going on from reading all the comics when I was a kid. So, um, but I had no problem following along Justice League. I thought that was good, and uh, um, so I had no problems with that. And uh, um, Justice a- League, if I remember correctly, its plot's almost the same as uh, Endgame, right? Very similar. Very it's like similar. Like the same thing almost. Yeah, that's uh Jesse, my my daughter Jesse was like, well, this is just thievery. Thievery, I tell you, and walks out. I think they're made around the same time, though. I think it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Um, this is pretty funny. Um what's her favorite? What's Jesse's favorite Marvel? That's like that would be a good podcast topic. Go uh, let me tell you, we could have Marvel Jesse- movies. For Has she seen all of them or just the recent ones they consider MCU? She has seen them all. She's seen them all a bunch of times. And uh, she now is moving into the X-Men just to, uh, you know, complete that. Yeah, story. X-Men's Marvel. So that's, I would consider that. That's what, that's what I was asking if you've seen the other ones. Yeah, she's seen, I think she's seen pretty much all. I, I don't think she's seen all the X-Men ones. 
she should watch. There's only one X-Men movie I didn't like, and there's one I didn't see, but all the other ones I liked a lot. Really good movies. Yeah, she likes them a lot. Um, she's in, except she hates uh, the character of Logan. She thinks he's a a a, a, a pompous uh, a pompous ass. Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> Did she see the movie Logan? She she won't. I keep saying, "Come on, that's the best it's one." Really good. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's a really good movie. She's like, I refuse. <laughs> she loves uh, Tony Stark and hates Steve Rogers uh, for emotional manipulation of uh, <laughs> situations and of his friendships, especially Bucky, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, we really you watched the most recent What If? Oh, she's uh, I missed the most recent What If? But she cheered. I, I don't want to say any spoilers, but yeah, I saw the plot, but I, I haven't I haven't watched it. I'm sure Jesse has. She cheered at the first what if when uh, you know when uh, there was a different Captain America or the Captain. Yeah, that was America. a good one. Yeah. Um, although she was starting to get upset, she goes, "Does this mean Steve is going to become Iron Man? They keep doing it wrong." She calls He's really him, invested. Very invested. She calls Steve Rogers emotionally inflexible. <laughs> Let's call him E.I. Rogers. <laughs> right. Uh, anything else before we move on to the uh, next uh, topic? No. Uh, Rolling Stone Top 500. Let's do it. Let me go first. Do it. I have seven. So my staff, since we did seven, it's okay. So they're going to only work six days this week. Well, maybe six and a half, maybe half day in Labor Day. I am. I, uh, the unions are, <laughs> unions are forming left and right uh, to, uh, to end this reign of terror. I'm no monster. I let them open the windows when it was 95 the other day. <laughs> All right, all right. What are you getting your, a bad rap? Yeah. What are your albums? First one is number four sixty six. Beach Boys today. Oh, excellent. No. Yeah. Oh, I. <laughs> I just can't with the, I can't with the Beach Boys. You. I will give them pet sounds, even though I'm not a big pet sounds ah. fan. Ah. Wow. Ah. Beave has turned to a character from Hogan's Heroes. Hogan. Hogan. He's outraged by my comments. This is yeah, I, I listened to it a couple times. I'm just like, ah, no. I mean, why do you think this is on the top 500? I think the uh, second side, uh, especially, uh, is really just great production. Uh, I think, please let me wonder. Uh, um, kiss me, baby. She knows me too well. 
those are I'm so young. These are all just great, great uh, production. Just all the um, just the way it's produced, the the the, the way the the bass and the um, and the, the rest of the instruments. That's the whole wrecking crew. Um, where they really came into their own. He used a lot of Phil Spector's uh, mu musicians and the harmonies. Um, I'll agree that the first uh, side is kind of hit and miss. It's got Help Me Rhonda and um, Good to My Baby, which I like. But uh, um, I think that album's terrific and it, and it hints towards Pet Sounds. Um, so I feel like it's the revolver to pet sound Sergeant Pepper. No. We are officially enemies. <laughs> I am going to take a samurai sword and, and and come looking for you with Beach Boys albums, which I will drop strategically throughout your home. What well, there should be just like a Beach Boys Greatest Hits in the Top 500, compiled by me, and that's it. <laughs> we should get sponsored by MeTV with your Hogan's Heroes antics. <laughs> My next one is number 467, Black Summer's Night by Maxwell. Yes. Really good. Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys I've heard of but never really listened to anything I like this one a lot yeah I do too and I'm going to put the next three all kind of together because they're all Spanish albums yes <laughs> and I think they're all ones you've listened to already yes clandestino <laughs> Did you, what did you think of that one? So to me, that was sort of like, um, you know, it's kind of like world music. Yeah, just a global music. Yeah. It's um, kind of funny that they put these all together. They're all kind of right in the upper 400s towards the end of the list. Like they're like, oh, well, let's include some of these. Let's throw them all in there. Right, exactly. Like we got to check off our boxes. So we'll just put them all at the end and yeah and that's uh and, and we're and we are inclusive look at us we are great yeah clandestino didn't do much for me oh the, no. the second one i was to i think it's called barrio fino yes i like that one daddy yankee yes i enjoyed that very See? energetic very rhythmic yeah, I, I didn't really know much about that album at all, but I uh, I enjoyed it. I will listen to it again. And then the third of the world music albums was Amor Prohibido yes. by Selena. And not really my type of thing, but I get why it's on there. Sure. Because she's just huge, and it's her legacy and her tragically short life so i at least get it even if it's not something that i really want to listen to yes and then i have let's see, and, have, and she covers a pretender song does she yeah see which one 
uh, back on the chain gang. How did I miss that? Well, it's it's basically just the uh, uh, the melody, and then she puts you know her own words over it. But the tune is back on the chain gang. Oh, okay, that's why I was like, okay. See, these are things you know if you do the immersion <laughs> and soaking in the like a sponge. Uh, these are things you pick up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got two more. Number 477, Moaning in the Moonlight. Ah. Howlin' Wolf. And that's late 50s. It's from. Yeah. Chicago blues guy. Yeah. So obviously very influential. Very much so. And, and listening to it, I did not think this was from the 50s. Right. So it still sounds pretty contemporary. And it came out, I think 1959 is when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good choice. I agree. And my last one, if you're feeling sinister, number 481, Belle and Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, um, who was I talking Maxwell? Bounce Bash is somebody I've heard of forever and just never listened to them. Yeah. And their album sounds to me like it sound, almost sounds like a 60s album. Right. And it, yeah, it's very uh, kind of, um, like almost like kind of folk rock kind of. My impression of Bell and Sebastian was that they were like sad music and all that and stuff, but the music doesn't match the lyrics. Right. It sounds almost like a, the music sounds like a lighthearted 60s song. Like it's, I don't know how to explain it. It just was, it just did not match what I thought it was going to be. Agreed. But I, I liked it enough where I would listen to it again. Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought it was I thought it was okay. I didn't know that I didn't think it was like a top five hundred album, but I uh, I certainly didn't hate it. Hate it. I think I said that it was like good background music. <laughs> Which I guess is yeah, but you had run out of crystal light that day and <laughs> were extra surly. <laughs> Your Beach Boys review make me surly. <laughs> Good sir. Pistols at dawn. Yeah, but that's a, it was an interesting group of albums I listened to this time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting going through the uh, you know this uh, you know the four hundred or five number five hundred to four hundred one. And because uh, a lot of these I haven't heard, and uh, and I've I've heard a lot about like um, the albums that I've really liked, like the Howlin' Wolf album. I think that's great. Um, and um, some other ones, the Tupac album, I've really liked. Um, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad they've picked uh, others. I've been like, no, Pavement, no. That's what. <laughs> no. I'll probably be done pretty soon, and it's gonna be fun to do this. My uh, I can't even say it. Statistical side of it. 
Right, right. Yes, maybes, and no's. I'm looking yeah, that, forward to doing that. It will be. Um, Don't worry, pet sounds will be a yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank you so much, Anthony DeCurtis. And so will Smile, because I get Smile being on there, too. We're going to do a podcast all about the Beach Boys, where I will hold court. And by the end, you'll be like, I, I, could, I, I was blind. How could I have been so blind as to deny the genius of the Beach Boys? <laughs> Before we get into mine, I just, how can you like the Beatles, but not like the Beach Boys? I think the Beach Boys come off bland to me. They have, they have some great songs. But they have a lot of songs. I you just to me, I just forget about them instantly after I listen to them. So they're kind of like disposable. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I've I've listened to Pet Sounds a lot, and I'm just always like, yeah, I don't know. Just well, I think ne- it never grabbed me. But a song like God Only Knows, that's a fantastic song. Yeah, that's that's one of the greatest songs of all time. I agree. But I don't think they reach that level too often. There's maybe, like I said, like to me, 10 songs I think are great by them. And they have like three or four albums in this top 500, which I think is too much. I I disagree. Um, I think that they definitely, I might've put more in, but- um, but You don't put in Kokomo. (laughs) Don't get, don't get nuts. I, uh, I personally, I think we've talked about before on past podcasts where, like, I feel like, you know, when Pet Sounds first came out, like, it didn't do well, and it kind of just dropped off, and then people were like, hey, you know what, that's a pretty good record, and then, for whatever reason, it caught a hold of, you know, people's imagination, like, 30, 40 years later, like, no, this is, in fact, a work of incredible genius, and it went from being this really underrated record all the way, and now it's incredibly overrated. And uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, and uh, I think it's, uh, I really like it. And uh, I think um, also maybe the Beach Boys are in some ways for audio files because Brian Wilson spent so much time in the production. But if you're somebody who is musically inclined and knows all the effort it takes into producing something, you're going to probably hear it in a different way than I am. So it might be partly that. Just, just the voices alone, how he figured out all the harmonies. And those are super complex. How he heard that all in his head, it's pretty unbelievable. Just forget the music for the, the instruments, just the voices alone. And do you picture John Cusack when he's doing that? Did you see that movie? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was good. I don't really think Cusack was the best casting yeah. decision. I agree. But it was good. It was good. I liked uh, Paul Dano as young Wilson. Yes, he was good. He was really well cast. Agreed. And Cusack, you know, he's just, he's Cusack. You know. Yeah, I think there's something about Cusack that didn't fit that part. I agree. I agree. 
Um, oh, that's another one I have to go back and watch. I remember really liking it when it came out. And I had yeah, low, it was really good. I had low hopes for it. I was like, Ugh, I'm going to watch this. I want to hate it. And just the opposite. I really liked it. Um, well, my, uh, my album is number 432. And the album is called Confessions by Usher. And this, this was one of the last like huge, huge selling records in history. I think it sold like, um, you know, 10 million copies alone, which I, th I, I think it's, I, I think those albums, you know, those kinds of album sales are all done. I think they were one of the last, Usher was one of the last ones. Um, and this album, here's what can I say about it? It's better than Pavement's Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. <laughs> so it's better than Pet Shop Boys, actually. Um, it's better than Primal Screams, Screamadelica. No way in hell is it better than James Brown's Sex Machine. Just no. No, no, a thousand times no. It is not better than the Beach Boys today. It is. It is not better than David Bowie's Scary Monsters. There's no way it's better than Yes, Close to the Edge. It might be better than Bad Bunny's album X100 Pre. Um, it's better than Daddy Yankees. Well, not by much. Um, I thought Danny Yankee was pretty good. I, I think that Usher, you know, I, I did too. And I think Usher's is better. No way is it better than Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. Just no, 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 no. Um, bottom line is that this is, in my opinion, not a top five, 500 album. Not that it's bad. It just, he sounds like a Michael Jackson wannabe. You know, he's trying to be Michael Jackson. And I think, you know, he hit on a, uh, you know, a time where, you know, people were really wanting some kind of Michael Jackson sound like music. And he was right there to fill it. Um, but it just sounds like a big copycat. And uh, I just didn't grab me. I didn't, I didn't care for it. I liked it better than you did. Did you? Yep. But I wasn't real familiar with it besides what Yaz is on there, right? The big hit. Right. right. So I wasn't real familiar with it, but I, I will listen to it again. Yeah, I just, uh, it was better than the Weekends album that was on here. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of, uh, next week though, number 431. <laughs> You're giving us previews now every week. Oh, well, just for this one, because it's going to be exciting because it wouldn't be Rolling Stone. And I knew they'd put it on. I laughed so hard when I saw it. 431 Los Lobos. Yeah, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. <laughs> How will the wolf survive? I haven't heard this record since the 80s. <laughs> when Rolling Stone was trying to cram it down my throat. <laughs> well, I look forward to that for next week. And my new staff, which has been completely overhauled, I hired a, uh, there's a new sheriff in town. 
His name is Landon Hudson. And he is data-driven. He has Alex running for his life. In fact, we may have seen the last of Alex. What? Well, Alex uh, made the mistake of talking about how much he liked LeBron James. And uh, Landon threw reams of paper demonstrating the statistical superiority of Kobe Bryant um, and uh, berated him. Yeah, he has a new staff of people, um, which he has brought in with my full blessing. I felt like my staff needed a shakeup. You know, things were getting a little stale. We've kept Calvin. We've kept Dorothy. Blutch and Alex, they, they, they may be fugitives right now. If you see them, please. Um, let's, come on, let's be honest. You are never getting rid of Alex. Well. I mean, he should have been fired years ago. Well, you know, I think that it took look a at guy, the look on your face. You are not getting rid of Alex. I think it took a strong man like Landon Hudson to sit down and tell me and show me the numbers and the math and um, the, for me to see the error of my ways. So when I was telling you that Alex works two and a half days a week leaves the office without you knowing you just didn't believe me or since I didn't present it as statistics, it bothered you. Well, you know, Landon has a full staff and (laughs) provided detailed reports uh, with numbers. And uh, all you do is berate me on air. (laughs) (laughs) Or point out the obvious, which is how I like to call it. Anyway, Alex may be no more. More to come there, but drama and the staff meetings. Landon is a demanding taskmaster. And uh, we'll see. I enjoy the spirited get It's a it's a Jag Bags cliffhanger. I yeah. I would be shocked if Alex ever left. I think most of our listeners who've been hearing this for the past year would agree with me. I don't know. People that look at Alex's Instagram, those are firing offenses, and he still works for you. Well, it's better late than never. I uh, and uh, but he's he's he's, the door is always open to Alex. So, but uh, Alex said it's either it's either Landon or me. And I said, you know, I've got uh, bottom lines to meet. I've got shareholders to satisfy uh, quarterly earnings to think about. I've got to go with uh, Landon and Alex did leave. The coffee has not been the same since. So stay tuned, Jag Bags listeners. I'll look at Alex's Instagram and see what his status is. I think he put. Po- I think he posted a black square. That was his last status. <laughs> and I think the. Uh, I think the subject line was "Beave lies." <laughs> I think there's a lot more to the story to come. That's all. That's all I'll say. Ooh, mysterious. All right. Let's let's, uh, let's wrap that up. All right. Let's okay. talk about our new number one podcast. Oh man, surging surging to the top and continues 
to gain listeners. The Rolling Stone, which album it's called, which Rolling Stones albums are merely good and which ones are great. This was in the top 10 for a while and then it dropped out and was gone like most of our uh, previous top 10 episodes do. They're surpassed by other ones. Um, and this one, I think we landed on a search engine somewhere or something. Or maybe our content and our expertise is just too much. And uh, we are now the toast of perhaps the Netherlands <laughs> or Nepal. Yeah, or, probably. Or the Federal Republic of Germany mm -hmm. um, or the Kingdom of Spain. Um, but anyway, the Rolling Stones podcast just picks up downloads week after week after week. It re-entered the top 10 and which was unusual in and of itself. I can't think of another episode where it dropped out, was gone for months. It was gone for months. And then re resurfaced. And not only did it resurface, it's gone all the way to the top spot. And it picked up another one today. Um, now we dethroned the sitcom episode, which has been number one for the past maybe couple months. Yeah, maybe longer than that. Well, it, it dethroned Tom Hanks, I think, earlier in the year because Tom Hanks was our number one for a long time. For a long time, that was Tom Hanks. And then sitcoms had the spot for a while and Rolling Stone. And it, like what you said, what was surprising was how steadily it just kept moving up. Yeah, it continues to get hits. So um, I think that's unusual, but maybe it's not. If you are familiar with the ways of simple cast analytics, um, please send us a note here at Jag Banks and uh, maybe uh, you have some insights that we do not. But uh, it's well, partly, I mean, the Charlie Watts factor might have a little bit, but that, that is a, this all happened before he passed away. Right. It was already we might be getting a couple more over the past week because of Charlie Watts. But. Yeah. Yeah. People rushed to hear what we had to say after the death of Charlie Watts. They said, oh, well, they did a they did a podcast episode on the Stones, and there was a mad download rush <laughs> to see what we had said about the Stones. Um, but that that's our new number one, and I think it's going to be there for a while. I feel like, although uh, Quentin the, our episode with Eric Roach uh, on uh, the movies of Quentin Tarantino continues to do well. That's really getting. Uh, uh, a lot of pickup. Um, it's moved from number 10 to number eight. And there's a log jam uh, from four to eight with four episodes tied. And uh, so, and I love that Oaken's Zeppelin episode <laughs> and Genesis, a celebration of Genesis, are neck and neck. Always. <laughs> it is a dogfight. With Roach's Tarantino hot on their heels. Yeah, so Zeppelin, Genesis, movie directors, when they get their next one, they'll probably topple Tom Hanks. Right. They'll be out of the top five. For the first time probably ever. Ever, yes, definitely. Which is, uh, which I suppose happens um, eventually. Unless we land on some Tom Hanks slash QAnon search engine and then we'll be back. <laughs> 
Could be, could be. You never know. But uh, yeah, if you uh, if you want to hear any of our episodes, go to jagbags.simplecast.com and you'll get uh, a listing of all 59 of our episodes. This one's number 60. And uh, check them out. Uh, Len wants you to visit either the uh, late night talk show episode or the Steve Martin episode. If you could do that for him, he would be enormously grateful <laughs> as those are two, it's personal for him. It's personal. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have a couple that are personal that you would like to have more listens for? Yeah, you know, the LeBron one. I don't get that. I thought LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, I thought that would be a uh, a bigger uh, a, a, a bigger uh, got a bigger response, and uh, and the Pixar one. I like. I thought the Pixar one was good. And, uh, the Pixar uh, one is good. And I feel like uh, I don't if you're well versed in Pixar, give that one a listen. Agreed. Agreed. We get deep in the Pixar in that one. Yeah. Um, well, should we move on to our topic of the evening? Yes. Bracket. And uh, as we always do when the main subject is music, what was your first exposure to Sticks and Journey? Uh, my first concert in life was the Kilroy Was Here tour really? <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio. I was four, 14 years old and wow. they, they, I mean, it was a huge production and uh, with a movie and uh, Tommy Shaw, who knew he was such a sex symbol. He showed up. I forget the character that he played in the movie. And, um, but he showed up in the screams of Blossom Music Center in Richfield, Ohio reached deafening pitches, ear splitting. And uh, it ended with, um, with of course, you know, explosions on stage and robots coming everywhere. And, uh, and they broke right into Mr. Roboto and the place went up for grabs. And I thought it was the most exciting concert I'd ever seen. I was like, this is, this is the greatest show. Nothing will top the Kilroy was here tour by sticks. It was a good show. Well, maybe a pavement show, but, it could be. Well, I'll have to check them out. Um, Journey. So Journey, uh, my first exposure was the song Open Arms from the seminal 81 album Escape. And Open Arms was a uh, classic slow dance song in middle school. So you would try to find, you know, a, a slow dance partner to dance to Open Arms. And I remember Open Arms just I love that song, but it just filled me with angst because it was like, I'll never find anyone to dance with. And here's open arms just taunting me. <laughs> Inviting. It's like you're beaved and confused. You could write I a was, movie. Exactly. That was my own uh, personal uh, trauma. And I, I remember the first party that I went to, uh, there was like, uh, they broke, they busted out the spin the bottle. And, uh, oh. and, they, and they threw on Journey's uh, Escape. <laughs> but what I liked is that they went right to Open Arms <laughs> to set the mood. <laughs> so that song has lots of memories for you. 
Yeah. So they went right to Open Arms, which, of course, is the last song on the record. So we were good for like three minutes and then (laughs) turn the record over to get it back. They're like, okay, now still they ride. (laughs) We're going to play these two songs over and over again to set the mood of seduction and romance in Cleveland. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Yes. What about you? What was your first... uh, this may surprise some of our listeners because of my boyish good looks, but I am a few years older than Beeve. <laughs> but I also have two older brothers and older sister. So we had a lot of journey and sticks on vinyl. Oh. So I heard Grand Illusion early, pieces of the eight. Cornerstone, Evolution, Infinity. So I know all those albums by the time I was in high school. And Cornerstone, I felt like that was the most popular album of all time in grammar school. (laughs) Every grammar school party, it was that album, The Cars, and Live at Budokan. Those were the three staples back then. What were the songs that you remember on the radio? Because I I have my first memories because when I first discovered, you know, the FM radio, there's like a rotation and that sticks was in heavy rotation. Was that the same for you? Well, sticks is they're from Chicago. Yep. So they're going to get played anyways. So not only were they popular locally, and then they exploded nationally. So Cornerstone, I heard every single song on the radio, I think. Really? Because they would, well, that back then with when FM radio started, they did album sides more and things like that. Right. That's what distinguished them from AM, because AM would only play a song if it was a hit. But FM would play, they'd play some of the seven-minute songs. Not that Sticks had any of those, but they went a lot deeper and that was the appeal of that. I think that's also why people our age love albums. Cause we're, we want to hear every single song. Right. We're, we're used to he- hearing everything. We're not just like, Oh, we just want to hear the two songs we know. And yeah, all the cornerstone and babe was insanely popular everywhere, all over the radio. I think that was, they did a Memorial Day countdown on one of the stations, like the top 500 songs of all time. I think Babe made like the top 10 because <laughs> it was so popular back then. I think it's funny that, uh, you know, in Cleveland, they wouldn't do that, but they, they wouldn't play like album sides. Well, you had to wait like a late night. They would play like an album side, but you had to wait until like past 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they would do is like with some of the rock uh, stations, especially uh, there are two of them, WMMS, which we talked about last week, and WGCL or G98, featuring a young Joe Bohannon before he went to Chicago and hooked up with Eddie and became Eddie and Joe Bo. In Cleveland, he was just Joe Bohannon. And, uh, but they would play, so, so even though like uh, Paradise Theater was like the new sticks album and so you heard you know the best of times they would also play old stick songs like renegade all the time 
mm-hmm. and come sail away all the time. Even though they were on older albums, they would play those. So you heard like Grand Illusion quite a bit. Yep. And um, so, uh, yeah, you a lot of stick songs, heavy rotation. Um, also, Too Much Time on My Hands, I believe, was on the KTEL album. <laughs> uh, maybe it was, it might, it might have been Full Tilt or perhaps Hitline. <laughs> it definitely had too much time on my hands. I loved KTEL albums. We had them growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so we also always do when I'm doing a bracket is I have you guess the one seeds. All right. And I think this is the easiest one we've ever done. So two sticks songs as one seeds and two journey songs as one seeds. I okay. think you could I think you could get them all. I think I can too. Okay, I am ready. Go ahead. Sweet Madam Blue. No, okay. Uh, Please take this seriously. Oh, sorry. This is important. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, don't stop believing. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to go with any way you want it. No. Wheel in the sky. No. I thought you would have it. Open arms. Yes. We just talked about it. Right. So those gigantic, are gigantic hit for them. So those are the two uh, journey ones, the two sticks right. ones. Babe. Yes. Renegade. No, Renegade's not a bad choice, but I think this other song is their signature song. Lady. No. Come sail away. Yep. Lads. Yep. Come sail away. Uh, Dennis DeYoung is known as I've, uh, I was uh, shocked to, maybe shocked is a strong word, but surprised to learn that Dennis DeYoung is considered the father of the power ballad. Yeah, I saw that too. Because a lady. Right. I mean, not just lady, but, you know, babe. Uh, but lady was the first, one of the first, that's why they say that. They say the lady is one of the first power ballads. Right, right. So. And what I, when me and my staff were uh, enjoying the crisp air coming through the window on a 95 degree night. In a uh, eight by five room closet. <laughs> We did. <laughs> it's motivational. Yes. You bond when you're in close quarters. Candles. <laughs> Is that lady, the, the early Sticks albums were not even a major label. It was Wooden Nickel Records, which is like, was like, like a Chicago area. Right. And not only was Lady a really big hit, but also Lorelei. And that's without having a national marketing campaign behind it, which I thought is pretty impressive. Right, right. It is uh, that is that's very true. And they, he overcame all of that. I mean, sometimes the song is just too good; you can't ignore it. Yeah, uh, and that was the case with Lady. 
And the lady, I won't, did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? No, never did. <laughs> you would love it. It's only one season. Yeah. And there's a, <laughs> there's a scene on Freaks and Geeks where a girl on the show kisses this guy. And so he instantly thinks she's his girlfriend. So there's a scene where she goes over to his house and he starts singing Lady to her. <laughs> it's the most just cringeworthy so awkward i think that song whenever i hear that song that's what i think of freaks and geeks yeah that's funny you need to watch that show beef great show okay i'm in i'm in on it now that i've finished crouching tiger hidden dragon (laughs) and uh and i'm uh i'm through running around on rooftops i will come down and watch freaks and geeks Mm -hmm. um Here's a question for you. First of all, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. You can only take one band's discography with you to your desert island where you are being exiled for staff mistreatment. (laughs) Who do you take, Sticks or Journey? This is the ultimate question. Oh, I take Journey. I think I wouldn't do. When I was younger... When I was in grammar school, I would pick sticks. Yeah. But now I would pick Journey. I feel like Journey is at the end of the day just more accessible and maybe bigger hits. Although I was shocked to learn that Sticks has sold more than 54 million records worldwide, which is more than Journey, who has sold only 48. <laughs> only 48. Oh, whoops. Well, where did I? Oh, it's us in the U.S. 80 million worldwide. Oh, and so- in 19, 1980, Sticks in a Gallup poll was named the most popular band in America. Sticks. You would never think that. Have you ever seen Sticks live? I haven't. Have you? First concert. And oh, uh, you just said that. What about Journey? Have you seen Journey? They came uh, in 83, and the opening act was Brian Adams, and I didn't go. Oh, well. I know. I've never seen Journey. I mean, I've never seen either of them. Yeah. That would have been the show to see. Well, let's do our guesses. What do you think wins the bracket? You know, that's a tough one, and I think – I don't think Don't Stop Believing is going to win. Because it's been played too much. It's been played to death. So here are my, um, my, uh, I feel like Renegade is going to do very well. I feel like too much time on my hands is going to do very well. I feel like any way you want it is going to do very well. As with, as is uh, wheel in the sky and lights. I feel like those, because we have a, we have a, uh, there's a sophisticated palette to, in the bracket. It, I, I think, think we might get a different. I don't think they're going to go for the order this time. I think we might get some people that don't vote as often for Journey and Sticks. Yeah, you might be. Because Journey and Sticks are, are more mainstream. You could. So that Very might possible. skew the results a little bit. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to 
say that Renegade wins? I love Renegade. I'd be fine with Renegade winning. And I could also see, um, I I could also see any way you want it winning it too, because I feel like there's, I feel like that's Journey. I personally think that's Journey's best song, and uh, I feel like a lot of uh, people agree on that. I'm gonna throw in a couple that I think could win. Oh. Come sail away. Yeah, that could win. That could win. It's played, but I don't think it's played to the extent that. Don't stop believing is. No way. Yeah. And love and touch and squeezing. Great song. That song was gigantic. Yes. In, in Chicago, at least. I feel like I heard that everywhere for years. I don't hear it as much nowadays, though. No, I don't. Me neither. Let's let me throw some matchups, some quick matchups. Let's let's pick a few and see right. who you pick. I'm ready. Some good ones. Here's a good one. Send her my love against Sweet Madam Blue. Uh, you know what? I'm Sweet Madam Blue's great. That's a great song. It's an eight nine matchup, so it should be a tough one to pick. But I'm gonna go with Send Her My Love. That's a great song. That's a song I didn't used to like, and now I love it. Yeah, ag agreed. Let's find a couple more good ones. Okay. How about <laughs> Rockin' the Paradise versus Anytime? Anytime. <laughs> that's a that's a jam. That's gonna be a close one because I think Rockin' the Paradise is more well known. Yeah. But I think Anytime's a better song. So it'll be, depend on how deep these journey voters go. You know, I mean, you do do the voters know any journey beyond the hits? Right. Find out. All right. Let's let's do one more. Okay. Let's see. I'll find one more good one. <laughs> I'm gonna do this one <laughs> just because it makes me laugh. <laughs> Music time <laughs> against foolish heart. Steve Perry solo. I have three Steve Perry solo songs in this track. I love, and one Dennis DeYoung. I love Foolish Heart. That's a great slow dance song. High school slow dance. Foolish Heart. Uh, that, that's that's a no brainer for me. But don't you get caught up in the inescapably catchy music time? Do you like music? Really, really like it. <laughs> <laughs> not enough to go against uh feeling that feeling again i'm <laughs> playing a game i can't win love's knocking on the door of my heart once more think i'll let her in come on feel the emotion of harry i already did listening to center my love and openly crying today <laughs> playing it on repeat so are you so are you doing journey versus journey in the first round or is it all journey? i was just gonna i was just gonna talk about it this is how i did it i have four regionals because it's 64 songs all right the first regional i put 
all the higher seeds except for one are oh no except for two are stick stones so sticks has the advantage in that regional i see and then the next one i have journey as almost all the higher seeds and then the other two regionals are mixed up just as an experiment just to see if that affects anything this is far too confusing and i don't think <laughs> Uh, Ernst and Landon Hudson explained. Now, Landon Hudson is already firing off notes about <laughs> statistical improprieties already. <laughs> but it's also with all of these brackets, there's just certain albums you know really well. Yes. Uh, I talked about Cornerstone. I know every song in Infinity. I know Evolution really well. Grand Illusion. So if you like those songs, those are the ones you're going to vote for, the ones you're familiar with and really enjoy and aren't sick of. Right. It's, I mean, I don't think, I remember some of the brackets Oaken did. If I didn't know the song, I would listen to it. But I know there's people that don't. They'll, they'll see a song they don't know and they'll just, they don't care. They're going to vote for the song they know. And that's it. <laughs> Which is fine. It's just for fun, so. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Who has the better? Who rocks harder, Sticks or Journey? Journey. Who has the better ballads, Sticks or Journey? I'm going with Journey. Really? Yeah. I w again, I wouldn't have said that years ago. But my opinion of Journey has gotten better. In my opinion, of sticks has gotten worse. Why has? <laughs> why is your opinion of? I I feel like sticks. They definitely went into the um, not the toilet, but they definitely took a hit. I think because Dennis DeYoung got so cheesy. And that's the problem. That's the problem with sticks. I think sticks actually got saved by the fact that Tommy Shaw joined them. Yeah. Or else they would have been in Ario Speedwagon. Watch it. They would have been. I think that's the direction they would have went. But with with Tommy Shaw, I think um, like Piece of Eight has some good rock songs on it. Because mm -hmm. that's got Blue Collar Man and Renegade, which I think are two great songs. Great songs. But <laughs> what's funny what I read today was so Cornerstone's second single was supposed to was originally supposed to be a song first time. Yes. Which is when I was 11, you know, 12 or 13, I thought it was a great song, but now you listen to it and you're kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be the second single, but they changed it. Cause they're like, no, we want something better. And Dennis DeYoung almost got fired because of it. <laughs> yes. But then they probably realized, oh, we're making all of the money. So we should probably keep this group together. I mean, they were making big money. They were both of these bands just had a stretch of, I don't know how many years, like six, seven years of huge albums. Because Styx went from, let's see, 77, I'd say, to 83. Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone, Paradise Theater, and Kilroy was here. All humongous. Right. And Journeys was 
I love Infinity, but I don't think Infinity was huge right away. I think Evolution did pretty well. But their huge ones are Departure, Escape, and Frontiers all in a row. And Frontiers is their best-selling one. Frontiers was, is, was a monster. They sold, they released like 84 singles from that album. Yeah, and I think that also affected my judgment too. Is Journey was on the radio all the time in the early 80s. So, so it was easy to get tired of. But you got a separation from them because Journey's not especially those songs, those songs aren't played as much. You'll still hear a lot of, not even a lot of, but a, a decent amount of infinity and evolution and don't stop believing you can't escape anywhere. But some of the ballads off of those albums, you don't really hear as much anymore. So you got away from them. So now you listen to them with a new ear, I guess. Right. I, I listened to the stick song. Some of the stick songs I hadn't heard in years like fooling yourself, too much time on my hands, blue collar man, blue collar man. I was like, "What's that song?" And as soon as I put it, on, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's a jam. It's a jam. It is." Um, all those songs. Uh, I haven't. I hadn't heard. Others did not age well. Like, don't let it end. Ooh. I never liked that song. I never liked that song. I think Kilroy was here was the beginning of the end for <laughs> That's a weak record. But like Mr. Roboto, Mr. Gigantic. The video for Mr. Roboto. Ridiculous. It's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Yeah. Ridiculous. It, it, yeah, that was Dennis DeYoung taking his shot. But Dennis DeYoung is almost like a Broadway guy. He is. He was trying to make a concept album, but it came off more like a musical. You know what I mean by the difference between that? The concert was a total music. It had, it had a movie. It, 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 yeah. There was a real movie. And then it opened and it was like a big opening number with Mr. Roboto. And it was a stage show. And they followed this storyline of basically that, kind of like a um, very serious, um, you know, themes of like, um, you know, technology, you know, the, uh, the, the, um, the evils of technology and also censorship and, uh, and how the future society will be served by robots. I mean, they kind of saw where it was going kind of interesting if you think about it. Um, but it followed a whole story line and then they put in, you know, past hits. Um, but it was all part of like, it followed like a script. Actually, I've never seen another live show like that. It's pretty unique in that way. But I'll never forget when, you know, Domo Arigato, <laughs> Roboto, and then the lights come up, you know, full lights up. Domo Arigato! <laughs> place is going crazy. When I... <laughs> secret, when I... Secret. I've got a secret. <laughs> when I was in high school. Ridiculous songs. That album was out, and Mr. Roboto was being played uh, nonstop all on the, the radio time. all the time. And in our Latin class, there's a Latin word "domo." <laughs> <laughs> so anytime that our poor Latin teacher that word came up, we'd all be like "domo, domo." <laughs> sure, he wanted to strangle us. Uh. 
Thank you very much, Mr. <laughs> Roboto. No more. No more. <laughs> um, there's a. So, what is your favorite Journey song? I put down "Wheel in the Sky," which is great. After you sent me your faulty top ten Journey and Stick songs, oh, I, I wrote. Buster <laughs> oh, Bangs has a problem. I, <laughs> I wrote mine down. You want me to start with my journey, and then you can do your journey. Okay, you do your journey. Then I'll do my journey. <laughs> journey is different. Wheel in the sky, only the young. Send her my love, which is my notebook is soaked in tears. <laughs> the ink is smearing. I wrote a, I drew a half broken heart on it. <laughs> <laughs> Roses never fade. Yep. Just the same way. Ooh, deep cut. Here's another deep cut. Strung out. Steve Perry solo. Whoa. Do you know that song? Yes. Really good song. No. Anytime. Just anytime. Oh, okay. Sherry. Can do. Lights. And the party's over. Hopelessly in love. So those are all your top 10, like, like, oh, Sherry is better than any way you want it. Any way you want it is almost like don't stop believing for me. You just heard it. I think any way you want it's a good song, but I heard it a billion times. Fair enough. My, uh, my top You don't 10, like oh, Sherry? I, well, I probably heard it eight gajillion times. In, uh, <laughs> In the video, Steve Perry is trying to tell his director he's not selling out. (laughs) How can you not identify with that? Uh, All the time. Where are you, B? Where are you, Tiny? I feel like my artistic integrity is constantly under fire. uh, (laughs) From all directions. (laughs) You, from Landon, Alex. So many pressures. It's been a rough week for you. It really has. It really has. But I'm stronger for it. I'm stronger for it. Uh, my uh, so my number one is any way you want it. I think that song is so overplayed; it's underrated. I think it's just a jam. Um, two is loving, touching, squeezing, which we oh yeah, that should have made my top ten. Which we touched on earlier. Yeah, that's a great song. Um, three is wheel in the sky, which is a monster jam yep four i cheated i really should have put lights feeling that way slash anytime those songs are meant to be enjoyed as like a you know song cycle (laughs) as the artist intended i broke them off they're all separate that's fine you can keep it your draconian rules no i didn't i said you could keep it all right uh, five is the party's over, which is on their live album. It's like put on like the end of like a live album. That's what Sticks did too. Music time was same thing. They put one. I don't know. That was a thing back then. <laughs> In- Feel it like it. 
Did you hear the parties over a lot on the radio? No. We heard it constantly. In, really? Yeah, they played it a lot in Cleveland. And then I could never find it. Yeah. But I could you couldn't buy the single. And uh, and I would go, you know, I'm looking for escape and I or infinity, and it wasn't on either of them. And I was like, where is the party's over? So you had one of those you had to wait for the radio to play it. Um anyway. Uh, six, this is the secretly the best song off of Escape. Still They Ride. Jam. <laughs> Talk about a power ballad. Great. Uh, those, have aged, uh, those have aged well. I'm very, surprised. I am surprised. Well. It's no very center, well. my love, but. Stop it. <laughs> Here's my favorite song off of Frontiers. Uh, which is uh, after the fall. I like that song. Um, I like it. I like sender my love. I like chain reaction. I uh, I like separate ways. I didn't. Yeah, I separate didn't, ways is a really good song. That could have made my top ten. I didn't care for faithfully. I thought I was like, oh, this is like a faithfully. I like, but it was another one that you heard all the time back then. All the time. There's, but I have a nostalgia for it because it reminds <laughs> these, these people were uh, filming at a party I went to, and my friend, <laughs> my friend Ray, who worked adventure with us, he'd get drunk and his face would get all shiny, <laughs> and the <laughs> the camera is showing him and he's singing faithfully. <laughs> So and he's all serious because he really liked Journey. Faithfully, so that, that memory always comes up whenever I hear Faithfully. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Um, my uh, my top ten ends with "I'll Be All Right Without You" from the album. Come on, it's better than uh, "Oh Sherry." No way. Yes, mm-hmm. secretly no. better. See, I didn't nope. put uh, I didn't put solo works on here, or I would have put Foolish Heart on here, and I also would have put Don't Fight It. it was I was debating Kenny Loggins. I was debating Don't Fight It today because it's not in the bracket, so I put it on to listen to it. It and you know you hear Steve Perry, but it still feels like a Kenny Loggins song. Yeah, I don't know who wrote it. So I made the decision to leave it out. Uh, Steve Perry has faxed me. Um, it's a good song, but I, I just, like I said, it feels like a Kenny Loggins song. I think they bo- they co-wrote it. Um, they co-wrote the song. Well, um, I'll just take I'll Be All Right Without You out of the bracket. Along with Dean Pitchford. Dean Pitchford also co-wrote the song. Uh, I'm going to pencil, pencil it in, in in place of I'll Be All Right Without You. <laughs> Dean, <laughs> Dean Pitchford. Oh, funny. Anyway, so yeah, he, uh, he co-wrote the song with, uh, I, I count it as a Steve Perry. Uh, song. Also, 
A uh, little known bit of trivia about that song. Lead guitar on that is Neil Geraldo, who is responsible for the success of Pat ben his wife, Pat Benatar. Really? Yeah. Okay, so if we put Don't Fight It in the bracket, I'm going to read some Journey songs, and you tell me if Don't Fight It should replace them. Okay. City of the Angels. Yes. So you think I should put Don't Fight It in, in place of City of the Angels? I would. Let me read a couple other ones too. Some of the ones that are higher up. I mean, I love don't lower seeds, but higher numbered seeds. Okay. Where were you? Definitely don't fight it. Uh, <laughs> I'll be all right without you. Uh, well, that's tough. That's hard. I got to think about that. When you love a woman, don't fight it. That song was a pretty big hit. I don't think I've, I maybe heard it twice. Hmm. All right, maybe I'll put "Don't Fight It" in here then. I'm I'll be alright without you is a jam. <laughs> I don't like that song. That's a soft rock jam <laughs> featuring Randy Jackson from American Idol on bass. All right, maybe I okay. Sorry, City of the Angels, you're gone. <laughs> They're from San Francisco anyway. Kenny Loggins finds his way into the Journey Sticks bracket. <laughs> Love it. Love it so much. So why don't you do your sticks now? Uh, Top right. 10. Did you do yours? I did. Oh, yeah, you no, did. I, I didn't say it on the podcast yet, but it's it's prepared. Oh, I but you haven't read it yet. We worked through lunch and got it done. <laughs> Thank God they ate. All right. Sociables. Uh, we had some sociables. My number one. Some water. Sticks's best song ever made is obviously Renegade. We agree. Wow. Yeah. All right. Number two, fooling yourself. Good number, song. Number three, too much time on my hands. Four, babe. Nope. How dare you? <laughs> Five, blue collar man. Jam. Six, come sail away. Yep. Seven, the best of times. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah, you're starting to get into a little cheese, but still. Not, yeah, but that's not that's not too bad. That's not too bad. It's like the cheese is in sight, but it's not. It's still like has. It's closer to babe than uh, um, than uh, don't let it end. Um, all right, eight grand illusion. That's a really good song. That could that could have made my top ten. Um, nine. Sweet Madam Blue. That, that song's a jam. I like that song too. 10. I you know what? I put this on because you know what? I Mr. Roboto was a important <laughs> part of my youth. And it makes me smile every time Mr. Roboto. Although it would not make me smile if I had to hear that song so many times as many times as I heard it before. But uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Number 10. Or if you were a Latin teacher. Domo. 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 All right, what's your top 10? Renegade. Yes. Blue Collar Man. Yes. Lorelei. Great. Lady. You don't like Lady? Uh, I think it's, yeah, kind of a, I think it's a little too cheese ball, Lady. It's a lot better than Bane. How, you have just come on this show tonight to hurt me. <laughs> come sail away. Great. Eddie. Oh. Eddie's a good song. Yes. When I was listening, see, I was worried about listening to Cornerstone again. I was like, how many of these songs am I going to still like? Eddie was one of them. Here's another deep cut that I enjoy. Great White Hope. I don't know that one. It's on Pieces of Eight. Oh, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll, you'd like that song. Yeah, Too Much Time on My Hands. That's the first song on the album, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, unless we think of something else. Too Much Time on My Hands. Great. Borrowed Time. And another Cornerstone one. <laughs> Maybe I do like Cornerstone still. Never Say Never, which was a song I was expecting to not like when I was stood again. I'm like, I still like this song. <laughs> I still enjoy a little Never Say Never. <laughs> ne dis jamais, jamais. <laughs> awesome. Uh, not too I bad. Didn't... We didn't disagree too much. No, no. I think, you know, that their hits are kind of impossible to ignore. And, uh, you know, yeah, they have to go on any kind of top 10 list, you know. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, any top 10 list that didn't have Renegade or Blue Collar Man would be kind of suspicious, you know. Um, that's again, But again, that's why I think Tommy Shaw rescued Sticks from turning into a different band. Because when he got in the group, they were more of a rock band than a ballad band. And I think if they wouldn't have had him, and I think they got him because something happened with the guy they originally hired. And Tommy Shaw happened to, he wasn't their first choice. They had this guy um, who, who was uh, on their first like uh, three, four albums. Um, you know, that, that for that wooden nickel label. And then they got so sticks and sticks too, and the serpent is rising. <laughs> and then man of miracles with the wizard <laughs> on the with power over planets. And then I think <laughs> and then I think Equinox. All these albums were recorded in Chicago, by the way. Um, yeah, because because it, it was on that label. It was that local label. Uh, like what turned what turned them around was one. I think they went on A and M Records, so they had an actual national marketing team behind them. And then Tommy Shaw joined them, and that's when they peaked. That's when they got their really good stretch. 
they they um um yeah they basically um the the guy apparently was a total jag off and uh and he basically was like you know when uh, they uh got signed to AM uh records this guy Sarah Kuraluski um basically um was um was like you know this cuz cuz Kuraluski was like kind of Tommy Shaw like he had a large creative role in the band and uh and he was kind of like my wishes are not being heard and i want to do more baroque prog <laughs> and they were like that's why I was laughing when I was looking at the albums today because one of the songs on the serpent is rising is called Grove of Eglantine. Yeah, I mean they really uh, <laughs> that's like one of the early Genesis album songs. Super Prague. And where's uh, our squonk, Dennis D. Young? Really? So yeah, if you look at that album, like Kuraluski is like has like three or four writing credits on there. <laughs> but I think that you know he didn't like the uh, the, uh, the the pop uh, you know the pop uh, you know direction that the band was taking, and so he said, "I quit." And Dennis Young there said, "No, you were fired." And um, and so he went back to Chicago and was a music. He was a guitar teacher in Chicago, and uh, and did and died in the eighties of like a brain aneurysm or something. Really? Yeah. Man. I know. Um, but that's that's what's interesting, actually, about both these groups, how these things just, like I said, they're lucky to get Tommy Shaw and Journey. They would have been, they started out as a jazz fusion band. Did you know that? Yeah, weren't they called like the, um, the Golden Gate Rhythm Section? <laughs> well, it was, all, it was like guys who were in Santana and all these other big groups. And they were basically just getting together to play. And I think because they're all established musicians, they had these first three albums that really didn't do anything. And then something happened where they decided, okay, we need a different singer. Because one of the guys who stayed in the group, Greg Raleigh, I think that's his name. Yes. He was the lead singer for the first three albums that really didn't do much. And it's... It's the patience back then is, is what's amazing. I don't think anybody would have the patience to let these bands have a few albums that didn't do much and still still give them the money for it. But in the 70s and 80s, I think the record companies were making so much money, they could afford to do that. Right. And then Steve Perry shows up and then that was it. And he's just one of those guys who... Everybody just loves his voice. Even if you don't love Journey's music, I think you respect his talent as a singer. Right. I, uh, I think that uh, I love that uh, Journey's manager is named Herbert Herbert. <laughs> That's like a factory theater name. <laughs> One of the plays. <laughs> Herbert Herbert. Yeah. Well, actually, he was Herbie. He went by Herbie. I love it that uh, Herbie Herbert went to 
uh, the Golden Gate Rhythm section and said, I need a new name. I mean, you need a new name. <laughs> and uh, so they switched to Journey. I also enjoy, and this just just like drummer's humor, but Ainsley Dunbar, their uh, drummer, mm-hmm. was kind of like, way he was like a jazz drummer, so he was the main guy behind their jazz fusion sound. They said, I think he, well, go ahead. They basically said to him like, Hey man, you know, you got to simplify your drumming, no weird time signatures or elaborate frills, like just strip it down. Just, you know, four, four times, keep the time. You know, we, we're, people don't come to see you. And he's like, yeah, man, no problem. I got it. And then continued to do his, his jazz stuff, just ignored them. So they fired him. Said, yeah, but what's funny about that is after that, he's in Jefferson Starship. Yeah. Which is basically, their sound's pretty similar to Journey. It's pretty funny. Yeah, maybe so he kind of, I guess he's like, well, I like money, so I'm going to join Jefferson Starship. And he also was in Whitesnake for a year in 87. No, but that's what I'm saying. He, he went from, oh, I want to do what I want to do. But then he joins Jefferson Starship instead of a jazz band. Yeah. And then he's in Whitesnake. So. <laughs> maybe Ainsley, what was, was maybe it was some uh, drug-induced bad decision-making by Ainsley. Wait a minute. Are you saying that they did drugs in the 70s and rock bands? This is the type of amazing fact-digging my team does. You have really unearthed a revelation <laughs> I had no idea about. This is, I have to sit down. I stand up when I do the podcast. Now I'm sitting there. And the, that, those first three albums, I remember a couple things about it. So, like I said, when it came out, they didn't really make anything. But once Journey hit big, they put them all together in this compilation. And then, some Journey fans bought it, and they're like, "This is terrible." <laughs> so, like a lot of bands, when they when they make it big, you'll go back and listen to their early stuff, and you're like, "This stuff's excellent." But the, <laughs> for Journey, that did not work. The jazz rock fusion. It's interesting because they're like a super group, like guys yeah. from yep. Santana and Steve Miller Band and yeah. Frumius Bandersnatch. Also. <laughs> Frumious Bandersnatch. Every super group must have someone from Frumious Bandersnatch. <laughs> and yes. the their second album, Look Into the Future, they did a cover of It's All Too Much. One of my favorite Beatles songs. And it's good. I like I like their cover of it. I didn't hear it. And Steve Perry does a cover of I Need You. I think Sticks had one too. They all covered the Beatles. Oh, you know what Sticks did? They had a whole um, album of covers in 2005. Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it's got <laughs> it's got some interesting covers on it though. There's let me pull it up real quick. There's uh, I am the walrus. Speaking of the Beatles, 
I can see for miles, can't find my way home. I don't need no doctor. One way out, summer in the city, manic depression, and locomotive breast. Wow. So they went for it. They're like, all right, here's our cover album. That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> they have an album out right now, too, Sticks. I got to listen to it. Crash, Crash of the, the Crown. Yeah. I started to listen to it last night, and it's uh, it's pretty good. Does it have Grove of Eglantine 2 on it? Uh, sadly, it does not. Um, That's too bad. Yeah. But uh, they... Um, but it sounds like it sounds very much like a um, uh, like a typical kind of sticks record. Um, and I think that um, though I th it reached number one in rock on Amazon after release. So it's still like, you know, the, the people still remember. Yeah, I think people who grew up with classic rock and all this stuff they're just dying for something because it's harder to, a lot harder to find now because steve perry he had an album out three years ago it hit number six on the charts yeah i feel like they would just i feel like they could just guys like steve perry and sticks they could just put out you know an album of them you know you know on kazoos and it would sell really well but it's got to be the original people i think it's that Steve Perry album. That's the one with the "I Need You" cover. How's he sound on it? Yeah, he sounds good. He actually, they said he he stopped um, recording because he said he can't can't tour anymore because it was making him feel unhealthy. Oh, is that he said it, it was hurting his voice and it was hurting his general health. So that's why he quit. Mm. Yeah, those guys are tour monsters. Yeah, I mean, you have these gigantic, and it did seem like they were always on tour journey. Oh, so. they, they did a whole thing of bands that have toured with um, Journey, and it's a who's who of 80s awesomeness. <laughs> uh, in 81, they were, they um, toured with, uh, with uh, opening acts, at various points, Billy Squire opened for them. Ryan loves Billy Squire. The Greg Kinn Band opened for a journey. Loverboy. A Loverboy journey, uh, that's like a dream come true. <laughs> and then Journey opened for the Stones a couple times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they... But they toured like all year long, um, to, you know, just support the albums. And I remember Frontiers like it was like a world tour. So they they didn't just. It's stop hard to turn down that money though, because. Oh my god! Journey, can you imagine? Not only were they selling a gazillion albums, but you know everybody wanted to see them in concert. Someone's gonna write the story of like the journey tour of 1981 yeah you don't really know a lot about journey they're not really a band that there's books about or a documentary or anything somebody I mean, needs to do that someone needs to do that i mean was it wild was billy squire out of control you know when hotel <laughs> you know 
or did they all get together and play D and D and then make up uh, stories after the fact? Billy Squire, whose career was ruined by the fact that he looked like an aerobics instructor in that one video. Wow. <laughs> ruined his career. Yeah. Yep. Did you do Did you do your top five albums? So my top five uh, journey albums would be. Um, oh, I combined them. I combined journey and sticks. Oh, okay. Oh, that's boring. Okay, you go first. Let me do mine first. Yeah, you go first. Number one is Infinity. Number two, Evolution. Three, Grand Illusion. Four, Pieces of Eight. And five, Frontiers. Those are my five. Yeah, I'm going to go with one is also Infinity. I think that's... Infinity is just all the way through is really good yeah um and it's uh it's interesting because there's that that producer roy thomas baker that you hear about who's who's produced every pretty much every last album um yeah the cars and queen i know for sure he produced yeah so you just tell but uh so yeah i'm gonna go with infinity one i'm gonna go um grand illusion two i'm gonna go uh departure three uh pieces of eight four and escape five yeah we had yeah we had infinity evolution Departure, we had all those on vinyl. Yeah. Plus, Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone. Maybe maybe Paradise Theater, too. I had, um, and, they, and mine were all on cassette. So I had Paradise Theater and Kilroy was here on cassette. And I had Escape, uh, Frontiers raised on radio, which I think I lost after. Uh, that, that was pretty disappointing. We might have had that too. Raised no, on radio. Yeah. I mean, I was ready for raised on radio. I was like, oh, <laughs> new journey content. <laughs> this is going to be. Because yeah, they waited like three years because they finally probably got home from touring for Frontiers. Well, there were problems because the bass player left because. Uh, you know, Steve Perry and Herbert Herbert were like, this guy's a jag off and he must leave. <laughs> I want to know what the tension was between uh, uh, Steve Perry and, uh, and uh, the, the bass player. Like, you got to go or I will not. We need more Herbert Herbert content. <laughs> Someone out there, may, write a book or make a documentary for us. They, they, the guys in Journey now are just busy suing each other. Um, Why? Well, there's all kinds of... Let me see if I can... Basically, um, so Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane uh, fired uh, Steve Smith and Ross Valerie. Uh, suing them for an alleged, quote, attempted corporate coup d'etat. 
and sued them both for $10 million. Wow. And basically, um, they alleged that Smith and Valerie tried to um, basically control the journey name and, and logo. So in order to set them up with a guaranteed income stream after they stopped performing. Um, and basically, they, they, Neil Sean started a new group called Neil Sean Journey Through Time. And, and uh, got sued for that. And, uh, and Neil... And Neil Sean was like, uh, or well, someone was like, you know what? I think it's bullshit that Steve Perry keeps getting paid, even though he's not been in the band for how many years. So I think that's pretty funny. But uh, basically, uh, Sean and Kane said that Steve Smith and Ross Valerie, quote, are no longer members of Journey. We have lost confidence in both of them. We are never willing to perform with them again. And so they hired Randy Jackson again from American Idol and Narada Michael Walden, who used to produce uh, Whitney Houston. Um, he was a big time. Yep. I'm familiar with his name. Mm-hmm. I mean, he produced George Benson, Kenny G, Al Jarreau, The Temptations, um, Herbie Hancock. Now he's the drummer for Journey. Hmm. This is weird. Yep. Kind of a weird uh, uh, sort of journey <laughs> uh, direction for him. And he just got hired. Um, so, yeah. So, lawsuits continue. So, I got a c- couple more trivia. We'll kind of just notes before we finish up. Did you know? randomly in the 80s that journey did a soundtrack to a japanese movie no <laughs> my my guess is they were just gigantic in japan probably so they're, so they're like all right we'll put together a soundtrack <laughs> i've never heard any of the songs but maybe it was only available in japan too that's awesome and, and the other thing i found out so steve perry one of his solo albums, which is probably my favorite title. It's called For the Love of Strange Medicine. Steve <laughs> Perry. He has a tribute song in there called Young Hearts Forever for Phil Linnet of Thin nice. Yeah. I listened to it today. Good song. Is it good? Yeah, I liked it. Very cool. And also, I like music. The rhythm really gets to me. I can't control it. My feet move automatically, beef. <laughs> and I like hot licks, the kind that I wish I could play. <laughs> and it's interesting because when I hear them, I crank the volume all the way. Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the kind of lyrical genius you can't find anywhere else. <laughs> I, uh, that song is, you know, the word for that song is it's just frantic. It's 
I, uh, I also found out that uh, the one, not the, the British journey drummer who wound up uh, joining Jefferson uh, Starship. Ainsley Dunbar. Yeah, no, Steve Smith uh, has formed two jazz bands called Vital Information <laughs> and the other one called Steps Ahead. I am going to find some vital information music and put them all over your Facebook page. <laughs> Uh, I from look album, forward to it. From the album's vitalization. <laughs> and their live album called Vital Live. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the finest uh, collection of jazz music ever made. Uh, one last thing before we end. Who are you rooting for, not who you think will win? What songs are you rooting for? I'm okay. Here's that's a great question. I'm rooting for the party's over. Good song. That's a that's definitely a song that I'm rooting for. Oaken loves that song. So if he actually votes in this one, its first round matchup is against Desert Moon. So I think it'll win that one. That uh, well, you know, a lot of people might not know that. You know, if they just look at it, uh, the hopelessly in love uh, parentheses title. Is important there. Yeah, I'll have it on there. Uh, because they we might don't skimp on parentheses. It's, <laughs> I know you're in a hurry, but this one's important. <laughs> and close the parentheses. And close the parentheses. Need both of them. If we wanted to do well, because I feel like people like the party's over. I don't know that one, but if they're like, oh yeah, hopelessly in love. Yeah. Um, so that's one I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Still They Ride. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm rooting for I'll Be All Right Without You. <laughs> I don't think people know that song. Uh, I love that song. The wild card is new voters. We could have some new voters in this one. I'm rooting for too much time on my hands. and I'm I, think that, I think that will do fairly well. I think so, too. I think that might win a couple rounds. And I'm all and I'm and I really am rooting for Renegade. I it's been years since I heard that song. I was like, this is a jam. Yep. The only thing that ruins it is that apparently the Steelers use it at Steelers home game. Really? And it's like a big like Steelers, like, yeah, Renegade. I'm like, ah, oh. song is just ruined by Steelers fans. <laughs> I'll write the Steelers and Tell them that they should replace it with Grove of Eglantine. <laughs> Your new fight I'm gonna, song. I'm going to send the Pittsburgh Steelers organization's albums by vital information. <laughs> to say, pick anyone. What do you think, Roethlisberger? Do you um, enjoy this? Yeah. Enjoy. Do you like this, the Grove of Eglantine? <laughs> Speaking of, what's uh, our topic for next week? Next week is our football preview. Oh man, that's where we're gonna get we're gonna get into Red Rifle in depth. Yeah, well, it's gonna compete with my Red Rifling podcast, but I'll let it go. I mean, we'll probably talk. What do you think? Three, four hours on oh my, Red Rifle? Oh, just on Red Rifle alone. And your your brother's joining us, right? Yes. Um, I, I also have proxies for the uh, last three hours of the podcast. 
<laughs> well, I'll join for the first hour. And my proxies will take my place. You need to hear my insights on Red Rifle. I'll Everyone get, does. Everyone. I'll, get, I'll get the proxies full reports, which I will read in great detail. Yes, my brother, we have picked the most diehard Browns fan I know, and that is my brother, Matt. Really? Provide uh, uh, expert uh, to provide expert uh, commentary and the, the voice of the Browns. Um, yeah, it's funny because like growing up, I would say like if I had to rank my teams, I would go Indians, Browns, Cavs. That would be my, how would you rank uh, sports teams? For me? For me? Yeah. Cubs, Bulls, Bears, White Sox. And then, of course, Blackhawks is obviously number one. But you, this is just <laughs> after. <laughs> um, I feel like, okay, so do you feel like Chicago is at heart, like, is it a football town or is it a baseball town? Like what team do you feel like? So I feel like personally it's a football town. Well, that's what you're, we have two baseball teams. Yeah. That's so it's hard to kind of, I think Cubs Cubs fans are super passionate. I mean, there's a lot of people who think it's, Oh, Cubs fans just go to, for the party or whatever. And like, that's not true. Right. Just be around all of our friends and you know how into the Cubs we've been our whole lives. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. It's kind of like geographical, like the, the Cubs rule the North side and probably the North suburbs and the Sox are. Like um, if we, if we didn't have the white Sox, it'd be a good battle to pick between the Cubs and the bears for most popular. See, I feel like, the Sox kind of separates it a little bit. Right. I feel like Cleveland's a good baseball town and they're a good basketball town, but when push comes to shove, they are, they're Browns crazy. Yeah. So the, but we also, the, Chicago also had the best basketball player of all time too. So. No, Cleveland did. <laughs> what does Landon Hudson say? Oh, we know what Landon Hudson says. <laughs> And he's got the staff and data to prove it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Tell a friend about us. Hopefully we see you next week. And when you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear.